All right, so hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we are here tonight for another episode of Detention Live. Joining me as always is my co-host, Chris. Chris, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. And I already messed up, so my my apologies. (laughs) Uh, I had pulled up something that so I could read the thing that you sent me to read, uh, Casey, and then I've already misplaced it. So join us tonight as our special guest co-host is Casey. Uh, Casey is a producer and GM on the podcast RP Jesters, as well as an actor, voice actor, and writer. Uh, Casey's been playing RPGs for over 10 years, including D&D 5e and Vampire the Masquerade Volume 5. Casey, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Uh, we are thrilled to have you, my friend. Um, this is our, I believe this is our first detention of the year. So Woo. welcome to Detention Live. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and we have a Tintin Shear. Tintin's there. Yeah, saying hello. So we already have at least one person here that's probably here for you because that's pretty much how things work here. <laughs> uh, but if you are new to the show, this is both for Casey and for anyone listening. Uh, Detention is kind of our, it's more of a laid back after dark sort of version of our talk show. Uh, we still try to keep it family friendly, but there might be a little bit more innuendo and adult language in this one than others. We try to mix some just casual chat with some hopefully beneficial TTRPG chat and advice, but we make no promises. Uh, but we are going to start um, as well, actually, since this is the first time here, Casey, give me the quick pitch. What is RP Jesters? So RP Jesters is an actual actual play TTRPG podcast. We play a variety of different shows from uh, Dungeons and Dragons to Monster of the Week, Vampire the Masquerade, Delta Green, and even some games that some of our players and GMs have written themselves. So we try and do a combination of stuff that's well-known and stuff that isn't, so you can kind of get a sense of what game fits the type of game that you want to run. Okay. And where can people find you if they want to go listen to old episodes or check out the new stuff? You know, Do you stream? Is it weekly release? What's the deal on that? Yeah, so we stre- uh, we release every Monday, uh, bright and early in the morning. I think the episodes technically drop at midnight every mo- uh, every Monday. Um, if you want to have a little bit of searchability, looking for a specific game that we've played, you can go to our website, which is just rpgesters.com. Uh, but you can listen to our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. So Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, or actually that doesn't exist anymore, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, like uh, everywhere that there are podcasts. Yeah, I think, didn't Google Podcasts go away too, or it's going to go away? It's soon? it's going away in April. And I, I feel like I am the, the cause of this because <laughs> I had Stitcher and then it went away and then I switched to Google and then Google announced that they were going away. So I feel like I am a little bit cursed. Oh, well, okay. I, I've also been using both of those so we might be equally responsible, but I'll certainly allow you to take credit if you would like. <laughs> Infamous or, or was it fam- uh, famous? I can't say. Infamy. That's why I was trying to make an infamy joke and I messed it up. Anyway, yeah. so we're going to kick off the show as we use it to hear detention. Our first... Um, section is what we call extracurricular. And this is where we just kind of talk about some of the things that we've been up to recently. It doesn't have to relate to geek stuff and nerd stuff, but it often makes sense if it does. So maybe some new games we've been trying to play or getting to play, uh, movies, TV, really anything that you want to share with strangers on the internet. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you this week. What you been up to lately, buddy? Uh, I watched the new, well, new to me, on Netflix called uh, The Brother's Son. I've never heard of it. I haven't heard of it either. Eight episodes, um, synopsis is uh, triad member 
has issues, almost dies. His son has to come to America to find his brother and mother who left years ago. Okay. And brother and mother, well, the mother knows what's going on, but the younger brother doesn't. And he's, you know, the typical kind of nerd that's going to college, trying to be a doctor and stuff. And it was a lot of fun because as I was watching it, all I could think about was how it must, like it, it very easily could have been somebody's D&D or role-playing game because the brother that came over is your typical monk beating everybody else up. Meanwhile, the nerdy guy's like, oh my gosh, don't hurt me, and then would fall and knock things over. And the mom, you know, the whole time, she, you know, she's got some skills or something, but you never really know what she's going to do. And it helped because it was uh, the actress was Michelle. Um, Yo. Yo. Yeah. So you're like, oh, I know the actress does martial arts. So when is she going to start kicking yeah. people in the face? Yeah. You're just, you're just waiting for that moment. Uh, they did a good job with the plot and mixing in a lot of comedy. Like the the big kung fu guy who's, you know, known as the chair leg, the assassin. Uh, his favorite thing to do is bake. Oh, yeah. So there's this, there's this tone where every so often all he does is just start baking. And you really know that his real goal is to be a baker. Which always reminded me of playing games with Caleb because we inevitably made a sandwich yep. or some cooking thing on the show. Pretty so. much every AP that Caleb's in, there's a sandwich scene at some point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So again, a good show. Uh, the, the plot was well done. Gave you enough of who's really the good guy, bad guy, who's going to win type thing. And left you on just enough of a, all right, I want to see season two. So I enjoyed nice. it. Nice. Other than that, uh, we got back to Dragonlance a couple weeks ago. We played on a, on a weekend. That was fun after having two months off for holidays and stuff to jump right back into it. Changed a couple things like I always do. Of course. I know I, I checked in with you before, but again, about how many sessions do you think is left before you, you wrap the campaign up? I want to say three or four. Okay. Wow. Maybe right. a little more. We've got like 30 pages left, but it's all the end mod it's kind of the end dungeons and the end fights so there's maps and stuff mixed in there and pictures of the monsters so it's really not 30 pages i don't know how much is actual text so sure um i, I i'll pick your brain on one thing i did later okay. or if you want me to do it now it doesn't matter but there was a rules thing that i changed that i thought made sense but We'll talk about because again, later, we want to so. do like a full debrief when you're done. But I want to wait till mm -hmm. all the audio episodes are also out, so that we don't have to yeah. worry about spoilers. But we can record it as soon as you're done. But I want I don't mm -hmm. want to air it until then, yeah. um, so that because uh, I, I just think those are valuable. We haven't done a lot of those because we very mm -hmm. few of our campaigns make it that long. They actually go to completion. They usually just die in the middle because of the scheduling. Uh, so when we do have one that goes to completion, I like to like debrief and talk about it. I just think it'll be kind of valuable. Also, because this is one of the few times you've ran a module. And For so sure. I'm kind of only interested to see what your thought process on that was. Ups and downs, but we'll talk about that later. Okay. So, um, Other than that, I, nothing really a, a ton new. As odd as it sounds, now that our son's in college, I'm not the scout master. My wife and I have just taken a lot of time to just vegetate Exist. and relax. Yeah, That's it's like nice. we don't have to go anywhere tonight. Let's just relax and watch a little TV or read a book or whatever we want to do. So mm -hmm. haven't been doing a ton of, ton of new things. Re really listening to ready player one by read by Will Wheaton. So oh, okay. Cool. That's definitely a, a role-playing game in it, within it. There's role-playing <laughs> games within the role-playing game, so to speak. Yeah. So right. if you haven't read that or listened to it, pick it up. 
I heard the book was really good, but the movie was really bad. So I kind of am torn if I want to read the book now. If you've never read the book and you watch the movie, people go, oh, that wasn't bad. And I go, "Mm, read the book. I didn't read the book. There are a lot of books like that, I feel like. Yeah. A lot of people I talked to like, oh, the movie seemed decent. I'm like, no. But you have this huge book with all these different things from the 80s. I can't imagine how much it would have cost a... Let's pay Hasbro for the Tomb of uh, Tomb of Horrors. Now let's play so and so for war games and this and that. And I can't imagine how much that would cost, but I think the book is great. Okay, well, I will take that into consideration. Yeah. All right. So, Casey, what about you, my friend? What have you been up to? Um. So one of the shows that I've been watching, which I'm not caught up on because I'm not really caught up on anything at this point. Um, I don't know if either of you have seen the the Peacock show, The Traitors. No, I have not. It's this um, hidden traitor reality show game. Okay. Um, which, honestly, the game itself, I feel like, needs a decent amount of work. But the, like reality show aspect of it makes you want to keep going back and watching the train wreck that is to come. Um, But basically, it's like most hidden traitor games. I'm going to turn off my virtual background, actually, because it is making me disappear more than it's actually helping. Um, But it's basically this hidden traitor game where you uh, there are three traitors and everybody else is uh innocence and every time they they basically get put on challenges and the challenges that they go on basically earn them money for the prize pot at the end of the game okay and so everybody is trying to make the money because if there's a trader left in the end then the traders are going to win the money but if there's not a a trader in the game then the, the rest of the innocents will win the money. Okay. So it's like a, if I'm a trader, I get all of it. If there's if you get me out, you split it kind of a thing? Yeah, but okay. what ends up happening with it, because the traders are also trying to win the money, it's so much harder to try and find the traders because they don't really do anything necessarily super suspicious. Okay. Because like in because most there's, like deduction games, there's the traders have to do a thing. They have to like work against right. the party in some They're way. They're sabotaging they in right, some right. way. So you can but kind that's... of figure it out or have some avenue to figure it out. Right. So they basically vote off people solely on vibes, uh. and it just ends up kind of descending into chaos for the most part. And then, like, what ends up happening is, like, either the, the traders start to, like, feel bad because they're hurting the people that they're pretending to be friends with, um, and that's how they end up getting caught, but... Quite frankly, like, I think the game itself needs work, but mm-hmm. I th- I still enjoy watching it. Um, and then I guess the other thing, uh, I, I've been reading, like, all of Brandon Sanderson. Mm, okay. um, I'm almost caught up on everything. I think I the only thing I haven't read at this point is The Sunlit Man, uh, which is the most recent one in the year of Sanderson because he had that big Kickstarter that... Yeah. Uh, released all of the books that he wrote during covid but his magic systems are so like unique and interesting the most recent one that i read was tress of the emerald sea i've heard that's very it's not really connected heavily to the rest but it's really really good so i'm actually interested in that one as well it is super good um like that whole magic system is based off of like 
these spores and their interactions with water. And like they have several different seas that are made of the spores. And basically boats can float on them because there's air that kind of shoots up from the seabed, uh, creating like basically a making the, the spores a fluid. Okay. And then there are times where like the air just stops and your boat's dead in the water oh. until it starts back up again. Oh, I'm but, sure that only happens at dramatically appropriate moments. Of course, <laughs> as it does. Excellent. Yeah, I um, Tom, who uh, used to be one of our regular co-hosts and still kind of floats around the academy, is a big Brandon Sanderson. I think Way of Kings is that the oh yeah series or that yeah he's all into those books. I read one of those, the Stormlight I, Archive. Yeah, really. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, and I really really liked it. And then I picked up the sequel and I immediately disliked it. I, I just could not get into the sequel and I just kind of stopped and I don't know because the character that the second one focused on was not my favorite character the first one but I enjoyed the story but there was something about I don't know the second one just hit me like a roadblock and I couldn't get through it but I've I so many people I know that I and I respect their opinion say that it's some of the best books out there so I've, eventually I'm gonna circle back to them I think I think the way that he writes too um with at least those books uh, in particular, is there are a lot of character perspective switching. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting the book and you're on a character that you don't particularly like, it will eventually shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just need, again, but I'm, I'm reading so many other things. It's like it's, it's not like I'm not reading anything right now. But, That's fair. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I need to get I need to get back to that. So I think um, I started uh, the the Heroes of Time books as well uh, recently. But uh, Big Al keeps wanting me to start the Mazelin books. I don't know. Apparently, it's like this huge, just thick uh, fantasy series. It's really hard to get into, but supposedly really good if you get through them. But uh, again, I haven't gotten to those either. So, cool. Anything else you want to share with us? Um, the only other thing is like I'm reading through two new RPGs that I haven't really delved too deeply sure. in, um, uh, which might be a little sneak peek as to what's coming into RPGesters okay. at some point. But um, the first one is Icons which is a superhero role-playing yes. game. Um, I'm not too far into that one yet uh, because I have been focusing a little bit more on the Avatar Legends role-playing game. Okay. Which is uh, based off of the Avatar The Last Airbender series. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, which that, that game in particular uh, has some interesting features to it that uh, is taking some getting used to like the concept of, like they have this whole concept of balance um, and that's basically every playbook has two different, um, pillars that they're torn between okay. and your balance can shift towards one or the other. They're not necessarily directly opposing each other, but they are somewhat. So like one of them is between your duty and freedom. Okay. And so like throughout the game, you're kind of pulled in each direction. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I have the starter set for that, but I actually haven't dove into it yet uh i love that animated series it's like, a great uh, series yeah my my youngest kid actually got me into that one um because i'd heard so many people tell me over the years that it's really really good really good and i tried to watch the first episode again this is a just a re recurring theme with me and that first episode where ang is just so like so much like a kid it's that the this the, the i'm like oh this is like not only is it a kid's show but this is like a kid's show and so i 
pushed back. I'm like, okay, this isn't for me. And then he started watching it and he's like, I, you got to watch the show with me, dad. You got to watch the show with me. So I'm like, okay, of course I'll watch it with my kid, you know? And then I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And so like, we're just devouring it together. And I'm like, you know, bawling in the end, uh, actually season two and season three, there are moments where I just bawled like a baby. Yeah. Um, so yeah, very much love that uh, that show. Interested in this new animated take? I know it's not the movie that was awful that we don't speak about, but I'm hearing mixed reviews well, about this. It's one. not going to be animated. It's the the new live action. It's live take. action, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's some like creative, like the people who originally made the show were part of it, but then they left, and now they're doing their own thing. So I'm a little hesitant, but uh, Same. the the trailers look intriguing. Like it seems like they're trying to recreate the show, which. I don't have a problem with, but I've also heard they're, they're cutting a few things out that I question the reason they would do that. But we can talk about that later. I don't want to take all the sure, time yeah. tonight. So, yeah, again, anything else you'd like to share with us tonight? Mm, I think those are like the main things that I'm kind of doing at the moment. Okay. Very cool. Again, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Um, as for myself, um, Action 12 Cinema, uh, it is the game I kickstarted last year successfully. Uh, I got the books in last week, so I started mailing them out of my house. Um, that's It's a lot of work because I'm double, triple checking everything because I'm doing it all myself. I'm just, like, yeah. I, I was nervous. It's my first Kickstarter, and it, it wasn't that many books. I think it's like 160 I have to mail, which is not, not nothing, but it also isn't like, you know, a come on or a cipher system, you know, Kickstarter sort of thing. Right. So I'm like, I'll handle it. Um it's a lot, but it's very exciting to be to that point. And um, I was able to get distribution through IPR, Indie Press Revolution. So the book will be available nationwide uh, online as well as in certain retailers. I guess if a retailer wants to buy it from them, they'll get it and then they'll sell it and blah, blah, blah. But it's very exciting. So I've been dealing with that a whole lot. Um, and actually, I'm in a very small kind of town now in uh, Corbin, Kentucky, and I'm just just now starting to make sort of connections. And I met a guy who works at the newspaper, who's also a gamer. And so he's going to do an article on me. Uh, oh, that's really cool. Yeah. On Sunday. So I'm going to sit down with him and do an interview. He wants to talk about the podcast. He wants to talk about the convention we run as well as the game. And then I have getting ready to start role-playing a Marvel multiverse game with the library director who I just met as well. And uh, they're going to do like a meet the author kind of night at the library for me as well. Uh, it's you know, such a small community. There might be like two other people who care, but it's still kind of exciting for me to, to have that sort of situation. Yeah. So that's very exciting. Uh, and then the, probably the other big thing is I started TikTok. I, for a long time, I was like, I'm too old. I don't want to try starting over again. But I've been watching a lot of TikTok, and so I'm like, all right, I'll try. So I started this week. I think I have four videos up. Uh, I think my account is actually like MKR2222, but my name is the RPG Academy, so I don't know what you have to search to find me. I don't know if it's the MKR or the RPG Academy. But if anybody does like what I share here and you want me to just struggle, because I talk a lot. That's kind of my thing. So so short-form content is not in my, uh, you know, in my repertoire. So I'm making incredibly long, boring TikToks that no one's going to watch. But they're there if you want to try. So find me there if you're interested. Um, and then I think I mentioned Chris and I are going to be at CincyCon, not this coming weekend, but the next one, which is a convention up in Cincinnati. It's not CincityCon. This is CincyCon. Those are different. Uh, the one that we're going to is traditionally more of like a war game miniatures convention. But over the last few years, they have sort of been moving more into board games and role-playing games. And this this is the first year where they've actually had more events that are not war games and minis than they do minis. So they still have a lot, but the, the balance is shifting 
into the RPG board game space. And uh, I'm going with my boys. Uh, Chris is coming down, and then we're actually going to crash with Jared, who's another member of the faculty, and stay in his basement and play games all weekend. So I'm very much looking forward to that. That sounds like a pretty good weekend to me. Yeah, Yeah. very, very exciting. All right, so that'll do it for uh, Extracurricular. So we're going to move into 10 things. This is our first improv sort of little silly game that we do here. Uh, The idea is we're going to take turns prompting each other. So Chris will prompt Casey. Casey will prompt me. I'll prompt Chris or doesn't have to be that way, but one, one, one to one to one. And the idea is that we're going to try to come up with a list of 10 things that fit the prompt. So it could be like, you know, uh, 10 favorite books, 10 movies, 10 characters, 10 things you might find in a goblin's war chest. You know, just anything that we want to come up with. Uh, Chris, do you have a prompt that you would like to use? And if so, would you like to prompt Casey or myself? Oh, switching it up. I can mm-hmm. give Casey the option. All right. Oh, you threw me off. I can, I can give one. All right. Um, Casey, you brought up uh, reality TV. So how about 10 things you like about reality TV or 10 things in reality TV? That'd be easy. Ooh, okay. Um, we'll go with betrayal. One. One. Heartbreak. Two. Two. Uh, sobbing. Three. Three. Romance. Four. Four. Uh, lust. Five. Five. Attractive people. Six. Six. A place that people can't leave. Seven. Seven. Um, hunger. Eight. Eight. Uh, crazy outfits. Nine. Nine. And a lack of communication. Ten. Ten. Was in fact a list of ten things. I'll quickly share here that when um, Survivor first came out, I was really big into season one Survivor. Absolutely loved it. You know, just devoured that show with my wife. I've kind of fallen off. I don't watch much reality TV anymore. But we loved Survivor when it first came out. And my wife told me, like I was talking about, you know, like like anyone does. I'm like, how would I do? What would I do? And my wife deadpan looks at me and goes, Well, you're not old enough to be the old guy, and you're not hot enough to be the hot guy, so you can't be on Survivor. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, but the thing is, Oof. jokes on her. I'm now like 30 years older, so maybe I'm old enough now to be the oh. old guy. I'm getting there anyways. Yeah. All right. So the way it will work, uh, Casey, you will then prompt me for my list of 10 things, and I will finish off with Chris. So what do you have for me, sir? All right. Uh, 10 different types of people that you see at a con. Um, sweaty. One. Goofy. Two. Two. Uh, influencers. Three. Three. Desperate game designers. Four. Four. Improv theater troops. Five. Five. Cosplayers. Six. Six. Creepy cosplay watchers. Seven. Seven. The people with the backpacks that don't realize they have backpacks on. Eight. Eight. Uh, perpetually hungry. Nine. Nine. Dice chuckers. Ten. Ten. Yeah, yay. There we go. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. All right. So, Chris. Um, oh, okay. So, you. this actually might have been before we went live. You were talking about uh, first dates. Mm-hmm. Where would you... if you had to do it all over again. Ten places you might take a first date. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, yeah, movie theater. One. Yep. Uh, to a beach. Two. Two. Uh, backseat of my car. Three. <laughs> three. I'm surprised it took you to three to get to there. Yeah, well, slow burn. Uh, let's see here. We'll go uh, shopping. Four. Four. Uh, we'll go Paris. Five. Five. Uh, your backyard. <laughs> Six. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, your back seat. Seven. Yep. Seven. Uh, we'll go, where else would I like to go? 
uh, on a space shuttle. Eight. Eight. Impressive. Um, submarine. Nine. Nine. And let's go someplace nice like the Bahamas. Ten. Ten. That was, in fact, a list of ten things. All right. So now we're going to move into used books. This is generally like sort of the largest portion of the show. I like to call it the meat and potatoes. It's where we normally spend the most amount of time, but that does sometimes change. Uh, and the idea here is that one of us, and it's Casey, is going to talk I, about a game or a campaign that we played or ran in. And what we're looking for are like lessons learned. Maybe something that we tried for the first time as a DM that failed spectacularly, but we learned from it. Or maybe something that went so well, we now try to incorporate it in all the games we go forward. So Casey, do you have a campaign or game you could talk about tonight? I do. Um, it's actually one of the games that I ran on the podcast. Uh, it was Power in the Dark. Um, and this is the one of the first times that I've had a campaign run as long as it did. And that's partially because, um, you know, we release in hour-long format. So it takes a lot longer to get where we're going. Sure, but sure. Um, I think I was getting to the point where combats just felt really stagnant and they felt like they kind of just, you know, are the same every time. It doesn't really matter what you're fighting, like even with spellcasters or like other monsters that just kind of hit, it it just feels very repetitive. Okay. As you go on, especially in in Dungeons and Dragons. Um so we got to a point where I decided to try and do a different kind of encounter that was kind of combat oriented, but not in like the traditional way. Okay. Where it was more of a, you have a task that needs to get done quickly in this certain amount of time. So basically um, in this situation, there was um, a piece of equipment. I don't want to go too much into spoilers, but there was a piece of equipment that was blowing up and fire was spreading around uh, this one particular area. And the party needed to figure out a way how to put out the fires and turn the machine that was blowing up back on. Um, And they had to do this all while they were maintaining invisibility. Um, And there were other people in the area that they didn't necessarily want to know that they were helping them uh, with, with this whole situation. So what it ended up becoming was um, them like, trying to find creative ways to put out the fire and stop it from spreading and also like directly helping the the people who were there by handing them like fire extinguishers and then having to backtrack later and figuring out how to justify what happened to everybody with the floating fire extinguishers that were just being handed to them um and it turned into this like hilarious uh thing where they one of the players decided to pretend that they were uh Baharagrit the ghost of the machine and that they were one of the people who was there's dad and like it turned into this whole huge lore thing but uh from the feedback that I got from it like it was actually an interesting encounter again it was a, another different way of thinking about what an encounter should be it doesn't always have to be like the the brute force fight and then everything like that it can be something where you really have to think creatively and for me as a gm it like really made me think oh we need to like we as in me i need to be a little bit more open in terms of like what the players can actually do because 
for the longest time as a GM, I was very much a a rules lawyer mm-hmm. of being like, this is this is what the rules say. Like this is this is how we can play it. But rule of cool can really bring about some of the funniest situations sure. as well as some of the coolest situations. All right. So I want to make sure I understand. So what was the name of this campaign you were playing? Uh, the name of the campaign was Power in the Dark. Okay, so so the, I, for some reason, I thought you meant that was the name of the system. So this was a D&D campaign. Yes, this was, was a D&D okay. 5e campaign, okay. and the campaign's name was Power in the Dark. Totally understand. I, I name all my campaigns as well. I just simply misunderstood because I just want to make sure I had a concept for how combat works. It's traditional 5e, D20s, yeah. 20s are better. Okay, that kind of thing. All right, so Chris, I'll go to you first. Um, I know you've played more Star Wars than D&D lately, though you've been playing the Dragon Queen, so you got some recent examples um what sort of things do you like to do to try to make combat more interesting than side a side b hit each other till somebody dies uh similar to what you were talking about i've put different objectives in there yeah usually i do something like well hey the princess is in the middle that you're trying to save good luck spellcasters don't just drop fireballs in there because you're going to hit her so to try to make them think about that uh sometimes i throw in class levels on creatures so oh here's your cobalt and you hit him and he laughs and you're like "Uh oh that's not a normal cobalt that way the players have a different reaction versus just the standard you know kick the door in and smash things i also try to set it up a lot with the environment Mm -hmm. and the scene so they don't necessarily just want to kick the door in because they're not sure what's behind it or they know what's behind it and they're more worried about it than just, you know, sliding through the door quickly. Like, in the Dragonlance game, Lord Soth comes into it. That guy. Nope, that guy. Backwards <laughs> on my head. Um, which, if you know the lore of Dragonlance, he's not somebody you're going to go play with when you're third level. Like, you don't even want to go near him. If, if you can run as far away from him as you can is what your goal is. So when I when he popped up in the module, the players went, uh-oh. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, you have to go down there but Lord Soth's down there. And that changed the whole tone of what they were doing to, we have to go down here, but we're not going very fast. Mm -hmm. Can we drag our feet? What's over on that wall? What's over here? I'm going to search every door for traps. And I find that kind of fun um, to make them think a little bit more. I also like to throw in random objects that they might want. That way they might get distracted, especially if you have a party member that loves shiny objects. You know, oh, look, the, the kobold has a nice shiny sword, and he dropped it. So now that player has to make a decision. Do I keep attacking, or do I go after the shiny thing? Which then sometimes I'll make them roll a save. Hey, roll kind of a will check or whatever system you're rolling. That kind of thing. What are some of the things you do, Michael? Well, I, I want to circle back to what you talked about with Lord Soth, because that's something we've touched on before, that in D&D mm-hmm. specifically, it's kind of hard to scare players. Like, D&D is not a great... I was going to say the same thing. It's not a great system for horror, because horror is based on power dynamics. You do not have as much power as the thing that you're fighting, whether it's an unkillable nightmare creature or guy in a hockey mask that can't be killed, right? But in D&D, you have so many resources, it's kind of hard to ever feel like you're completely not in not in things. And it doesn't really work to be like, oh, there's a dragon. Like, that's not scary. But it is scary when you're like, there's a dragon and you have to go near it. Like with what you did with Lord Soft. So to me, that's like, I'm not going to say the only way, but that is probably one of the only ways or one of the best ways to instill fear in a D&D player is to let them know you're really overmatched, 
but you still have to go in there. So I really, I don't, whether it was you or the module or a combination, I, I applaud you because that is one of my few ways I would say is a good way to do that. Casey, did you want to tag on that? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think learning from other systems as well, like specifically trying to scare the players, it's it's incredibly difficult. I, I ran a different game at one point where um, the the players had to go into this one area that is completely guarded by a shadow dragon. And like, I let them know, like, this is not something that you can actually fight right now. It yep. is something that will kill you. And it, it got to the point at one point where one of the players like attracted it enough to the point where it was going to come after him. And they just barely made it into like the cave where everybody else was when it crashed into the wall, collapsing it. So it separated the the two of them. Mm -hmm. But I think you really need in a, like, I hate to say it, but like in a sense, you need a little bit of metagaming for that to even kind of work to know that you aren't strong enough to fight right. those things. Yeah, no. And again, I think metagaming, I don't think you can play D&D &D and not metagame. I think that's part of the game. Yeah. But it, it's not, it's like a tool. It's not inherently a bad thing to do, but it can be a bad thing to do. But it can also be a good thing. Like uh, I mentioned here before, uh, I, I told my players, this was years ago, I said, hey, just so you know, I think we ended like right before a fight. And so I said, you all, you might want to come with a backup character. Like, I'm not saying you're going to die, but saying you might want to have a backup because if it does yeah. happen that way, you can jump right in. We don't have to, you know, stop playing. I knew they weren't going to die, but I instilled in the players the fear that maybe their characters were going to die as a way to kind of cheat and make their characters act like they were going to die. And sure. I wouldn't do that all the time, but it worked really well that time. So that's how I kind of use metagaming against them a little bit to help instill the fear that that's very hard to do. So... Um, For sure. So I've said many times, I love skill challenges. I think yep. the way they were explained in fourth edition was terrible, but if you implement them well, I think they're very effective. And for the type of combat you were talking about, Casey, I might have considered doing that as an extended skill challenge where I would allow combat abilities to be used in place of skill checks. Maybe not all of them, but but I would let sometimes that that also be in there. Um, and again, not to, I think it did end up being kind of skill challenging yeah. as well. Um, it kind of sounds like that's what you were going for intentionally or not the way you described it. Uh, I yeah. think that would make sense. So I guess I'll tag on you skill challenges. Yay. Nay. Any thoughts on those in particular? I mean, I like them. I've started using them a lot more, um, since this first en encounter that I was talking about in other games, like chase sequences and things like that, where you need to come up with clever ways of like losing your tail and things like that. Um, whether that be using your environment or whatever, usually when it comes to that kind of thing, I will just let the players decide what skill they want to use. And then they just have to justify it to me like, okay, well, I'm going to use my athletics because I'm going to knock over these this cart or these boxes yep. or something like that. But typically, I'll only let them use the same one once, mm -hmm. just because after a while, you're going to just keep doing the same thing. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I very well, very much do the same sort of thing. I, I try to make them pretty broad so that they can kind of do the thing they're, they're supposed to get. Like the wizard can be smart, and that is how they yeah. can help. And the, the rogue can be sneaky and that's how they can help but you still want to try to change it up a little bit so it doesn't become the same thing every time 
but I also am not too upset if the fighter always does a fightery thing and the thief always does a thiefy type of thing. But it, if it gets to the point where it's repetitive, then you've kind of lost the plot. So try to find some way to, to change it up. But I, yeah. again, in general, I love skill challenges. I, I, again, I don't think fourth edition explained them very well. And I also don't think the math works out. I actually, I do mine very differently. I've explained it many times before. If anyone's interested, you can go find, I've written articles and there's whole episodes. I talk all about how I do them. Uh, I think they work. You may disagree, but I love doing them. I think they're great. Uh, the other thing I like to do is to put in um, win conditions that aren't just kill everything on the other side. Oh, um, yeah. You know, Chris mentioned you put the princess or the, the object of desire in the middle of the room. That changes strategy. But, okay, let's say it's not a, a person, it's a thing. If both sides are fighting over the orb of wonders, and halfway through the battle, the orb of wonders gets tossed off a cliff, why are we fighting? So it might be try to get to the orb first, or it could be we're losing the battle. Let's break the orb so that we don't have to fight the rest of this battle. Uh, environmental effects, like every fourth round, water floods in, and one level that you're in is now underwater. Or it's it's difficult terrain, and then it's underwater. So you're having to constantly climb up. So in addition to fighting, you have to maneuver for position. This, this is going to cause classes that have a lot of maneuverability, like thieves, rogues, to to shine because it's not just the fact that I have to fight you, but I can dash or I can, you know, double move. Maybe barbarians with their athletics would be helpful. Uh, so I'd like to try to try to work that in there where I can, but I'm a big believer in, I don't like combats that just, we're going to hit each other till one of us is dead. Yeah. That is like the most boring version of combat ever, but it does still have its time and place to do that. Though I'm much more likely on like the last, like the big boss battle. That's the one that's going to be war of attrition. And hopefully I have enough hit points to outlast you. But for the most part, I try to avoid just straightforward combats. Uh, positioning can matter. Environmental effects, of course, as I already mentioned. I had one more I was going to say, and then I've completely lost it. You, do you know what I was going to say, Chris? Because I always say the same, same three things. So you probably remember what I was going to say. Before uh, no, I was actually, circle back to skill challenges for a sec. Sure. If there's no consequence, do you even do them? Um, I probably, I mean, I don't think I would go into a skill challenge unless there was a con. Like that, to me, that's inherent in the the mm -hmm. the setup. Like this is what's going to happen if you fail. But failure shouldn't just be you're dead. Like there should right. be no. It's usually you're caught or you break the thing that you want or, or something the, like yeah, that. Yeah, the thing that you want goes away. But the reason I ask is. In, somehow we segued right into what I mentioned earlier with the Dragonlance game. The last game I just ran, they had a skill challenge where they had to basically hop up rocks to get up onto a plateau. Mm -hmm. The way the module wrote it is they have to make three successful checks. Every time they fail, they fall back to the beginning. Ooh, that's... So it's a time waster more than anything. That's exactly what I said to my players is, okay, we could sit here and roll dice for 30 minutes while you get up there. Or... What I did was pick what skill attribute you want to use. The higher you roll, the cooler it looked. You describe how you get up there. I think so, that that technically could work like as a time waster thing if they're on a time crunch to get wherever they're going. Right. And then you have like tiers of, okay, if it takes this many rounds, then the the bad guy at the end has this much time to prepare or mm -hmm. whatever. And then it just gets the fight afterwards gets harder and harder depending on how long it takes. But again, that's consequence. There, it, so. there was, there was none. It, yeah, just that's you get there when you get there. Like I said, the way I did is roll, the higher you get, the cooler you look. And one of them rolled up low and I was like, all right, so you rolled low. What's it look like? And he's like, uh, 
I get to the top and so-and-so's character throws a rope down and carries me up. I was like, yeah, fair enough. That worked great. Move on. Like I, to me, it, it was a, like you said, a time waster, but it was a real life time waster, not a exactly. game <laughs> time waster. Cause it's like, especially since I said you could only make an athletics check. I don't oh. like skill challenges oh, yeah. where no. it's limited to one thing. I like saying, pick what you want. Kind of like you said, Casey, tell me how you're going to do it. You're not going to use charisma to climb up these rocks because you're not going to talk the rocks into moving. They're, they're not intelligent. You but, can sweet talk the person next to you to carry you right. up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. we got a, the Princess Bride situation. I'm going to jump on your back and you're going to climb. Uh, so to me, that's, that's where when I read that and you started talking about the skill challenges, I was like, if there's no consequence, what's the point of doing them? I feel like there needs to be some consequence, like you were saying, Casey, of the final fight gets harder. Or I would have even been fine if they'd said, make three checks, and every time you fail, you take damage by falling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now it's going to whittle your resources because now, oh, hey, Skip just logged yeah. in. I was just hey, about Skip. to say, Skip's character's got to heal you. That's wearing down his spells. But I think as well, um, with those kinds of skill challenges, if you... Or, or just in general with D&D and other games. From some things that I've heard from other DMs is if it doesn't matter and you're going to give them the information anyway or they're going to get there no matter what without, like, getting hurt, why even have them roll? Yeah. Like, it, it's especially, like, with knowledge checks and stuff, and if you need them to have the information, like, there, there are other ways that you could give it to them if they're not going to succeed on their knowledge roll. But, like... If it's something that they would know, don't have them roll. Yeah. I, I do because that. You're not going to give it to them if they got a one. Right. Yeah. I, I do that. Or, okay, a knowledge check. To, you know, maybe you don't know this. Or you're going to get the information, but also the bad guys know you now have that information. Yeah, sure. Or something like that. I, I'm not the biggest fan of, of throwing in skill challenges just randomly throughout it. Like, if it doesn't progress the the story and the plot or the character, I don't usually do them. I think one of the things that skill challenges do specifically that other combat doesn't necessarily do is it really gives the players the narrative reins where they can fully describe what they're doing if they succeed, right? Mm -hmm. Because, or it gives you a little bit more creative reign as the GM to explain a little bit more and describe a little bit more because... If like in the going back to the chase scenario, if you're rolling athletics to to toss the cart of cabbages to the side, um, my cabbages. Exactly, you're you're having the players describe the environment and like the reason that they're doing this, and they get to be a little bit more creative. Other than the barbarian being like, "Well, I'm gonna swing with my axe because that's mm-hmm. what makes the most sense." Now, one thing I I have done. Um, and it's weird. I actually did a TikTok. It was one of the few I've done that I talked about this is sometimes I will assume competence of my players. So sure. for example, the rogue, they get to a new town and they want to go into town square and pickpocket, you know, very classic rogue maneuver, right? Right. I may assume that their rogue is going to be successful. That's just, they're going to be able to do that because they're good at what they do, but I might still have them roll to kind of see like maybe how the world reacts to that. And in this example, what I mean is, let's say they roll low. As long as they don't roll a one, I'm probably going to say, yeah, you still succeed. But 
in my head, a different rogue was working the same crowd and saw them. Like there's a, somebody else in the crowd. They're like, Hey, who's this jackass, mm. you know, thieving in my town. So I may be like, okay, there's now a new scene tonight. You get approached by the thieves guild saying, Hey, you're not one of us. You're not allowed to work in our town. We have a beef. Conversely, if they roll really well, 18, 19, maybe natural 20, that same rogue is like, who's this person? They are, they've got some skills. So maybe that night they come to them and say, Hey, you should join our Thieves Guild, or there's a specific job I've been holding off on because I need somebody, and I think you're the person I need. Yeah. So, yeah. so it kind of helps me as the GM, like, be creative. It's like an improv prompt for me. Like, so they, they, the rogue still did their thing. I'm not going to have them get caught by someone in the town square, but the world reacts to the, the high or the low roll. So I will do that on occasion, but that's just if I decide I want to, like, test myself as, like, an improv sort of um, prompt. Because I can always sure. ignore it, too. Just like, okay, roll. Oh, I got a three. Oh, but you get away with it. No one saw you. Then why did I roll? <laughs> Interesting. I don't know. Why did you roll? And then you just figure out what that means later. Yeah, and then that also leads to the the thing that we were talking about earlier with tension and scaring the player. Like, well, you didn't see anybody notice you. Nobody's yeah. approached you yet. Mm-hmm. But they know that they rolled r- low, so they're like, okay, what's going to happen? Right. Yeah. And again, so it's like, again, back to the metagame thing, like you're using the metagame against them because they know yeah. what they rolled and something bad should have happened, but it didn't. Yet. Yet, exactly. Uh, and I'm a big, and I've mentioned this many times, but like my favorite GM tip is when you're not sure, just lean in and smile and go, that was weird, right? And then just wait and hopefully before you play again, <laughs> you have time to go backwards and figure out what that meant and what you were doing. Yeah. So I feel like we lost the plot a little bit because we were talking about ways making combat interesting. I think we segued into making skill checks more interesting. So I, I want to go back to combat to give you a chance. Was there anything else that, that you have learned from that that you take into future games? Again, and not every combat has to be a master plan. Sometimes you just fight four goblins because it's fun to roll dice and kill goblins. That's part of the oh, yeah. part of the fun of D&D. But if you're trying to create something that's a little bit more intricate, are there any other things that you've learned from that that you try to do or for certain combats you'd like to bring in that you'd like to share with us? So one of the things that I have started to do in general as well, because I, I, I will tend to make my own maps for combats and things like that, is whenever I'm designing a dungeon or something like that, I always think of the reason behind everything in each room. Like okay. there has to be a reason behind why it's there. I don't particularly like the random ge- dungeon generators that just have like so lava oh, sharks a... aren't going to be right next to the air elementals, right next to the fungus spore mold. Right, people. or even like why is the lava elemental there in the first place? Right, um, and so I had recently. Um, I say recently, this was probably a couple of months ago at this point, but um, time is a flat had, circle. Yeah, time's a flat <laughs> circle. Uh, wibbly wobbly. Um, so basically, I had uh, using kind of what I had learned from that initial combat, I was trying to find other like creative and interesting ways of kind of having the party need to solve a different problem in combat. Um, and the one that I had come up with after that was um, basically there was a trapped uh, Marid, the the water genies. Okay. Um, and they, they were basically guarded by a bunch of different runes that would um, do different things uh, to attack people trying to free it. Um, and they'd had to go around and destroy each rune while 
first off deciding which ones to destroy first because some were worse than others mm -hmm. and some synergized with others to make them worse. So like one would fill the room with water, the other one would heat the water. So standing in it would start hurting you. If, But if you let the water get too high, it would start to drown you and all of this kind of stuff. So again, just making puzzles a part of combat yep. rather than just be there to um, like prevent you from getting to the combat. Mm -hmm. So funny enough, that's the thing I couldn't remember was secondary objectives in combat yeah. that could, you know, they don't, they're not necessarily uh, imperative. You can ignore them, but if you do them, it can change the battlefield in your favor or make other types of effects. Uh, Savage Worlds, there's a term that that's what I got lost on. I can't remember what they call it, but there's a specific thing they talk about where you have one character has to disarm the bomb. All the other characters have to keep the shadow beasts away or the bomb's going to go off too. So you've got like two different groups that are working in tandem to try to accomplish the same thing. Uh, also in Baldur's Gate 3, which I played like I was in college for a while. I absolutely loved it. There's a couple, there's one in particular, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's in the second act. It's an optional thing where that kind of happens and you have like things happening, you have to defend thing or things go bad. Hopefully that's vague enough. Uh, I think those can be, again, I wouldn't do that every combat, but for certain setups, I think they work very, very well. Yeah, for Chris, sure. Have you had any experience with doing something similar to that where you've got either an NPC or part of the group is having to do plot A and everyone else is trying to defend or keep other things away? I do that a lot. Okay, great. I, I run a lot of horror settings when I'm not running Star Wars or Dragonlance. So in a lot of my home games, there's always, a, a not always, but a lot of times there's a horror setting. So you've got that extra thing you have to worry about whether you're again, protecting somebody innocent or you've got to keep the priest alive while they're trying to cast the remove undead or you've got to try to defend the crystal that's keeping things away that the horror is trying to get. So I, I do that a lot. I like that because uh, it makes the players not stare at a book and go, what spell do I want to cast next? They've got yep. to pay attention to what's going on at the table because there's more than just your typical... Oh, it's a dragon with 100 hit points. If I do this, I'll blow it up. They've got to think about that. Um, and I think it keeps players engaged with each other because there's more teamwork. Yeah. Like, all right, Michael, you got to protect the orb while Casey and I go over here and kill this thing. Oh, no, something came over there towards Michael. Quick, Michael, you go attack him. Now, Casey, you got to go protect the orb. Like, it keeps the players engaged with each other more. And, and that's what I like. And as a GM, I, I mean, spoilers. 99% of the time you're going to win. I'm going to fudge whatever I have to to make the scene work um, to make it a good story. So I tell everybody, don't worry. You know, unless you're playing Shadow of the Demon Lord, then <laughs> you're probably going to bring an extra character or make yeah. one. Um, but that's part of that system. So, yeah, I like doing that. It also keeps it entertaining for me. And it's also easier for me, believe it or not, to change the scene to help them actually succeed. It's much easier for me than just going, all right, well, the dragon had 100 hit points, but now he only has 60. But I shouldn't say it's easier. It's more fun for me. Yeah. Right. If yeah. If I'm just doing simple math, like, ah, he should die now. Like, that's boring to me. But, oh, no, the orb exploded randomly. Why? Yeah. And now you have to figure out why. So, I do that a lot. Nice. But I also like messing with my players. Well, that's part of the fun, too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
All right. Well, I, I, I love this conversation. Hopefully those people listening now or in the future got something from it as well. Uh, if you have any suggestions, dear listener, that you have things that you've done in combat that have worked very well, or maybe something you tried that failed terribly that you learned from, I'd love to hear from you. You can email us this, of course, at the RPG Academy at gmail.com, or you can comment in any of the various places that we will end up posting this. Uh, I'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, but we're going to move on. We're going to do our second improv game. This is everyone's favorite one. Uh, I say with an asterisk. Uh, it's called Where Have My Fingers Been? And in this scene, we're going to once again take turns prompting each other in turn. Uh, you're going to get prompted to create a short scene that involves two or maybe more if you want to get frisky and bring in a third person uh, to fit the sort of the scene. It helps if you have a beginning, middle, and end. I often leave at least one of those out because I think it's funny. Um, Casey, you're the <laughs> guest tonight, so you get to choose. Would you like to go first in terms of prompting Chris or I to start, or would you like to go first in terms of being prompted to do your scene? Uh, I'll be prompted first. Let's go with that. All right. So, Chris, do you have an idea for Casey's prompt, or do you want me to come up with one? Uh, you go for it. I've, I've got one for All right. So um, it, we are contractually obligated that we have to sing the song first. So um, I know you had a chance to listen. Do you know the song or do you need me to, to prompt you on the song? Uh Go, you go ahead and prompt me just so it's I'm not embarrassing simple. myself for, for the Where contract. have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been in whatever way you would like to sing that? Please do that first. Where have my fingers been? Where have my fingers been? Your fingers are right outside the door of a big bad monster that they have to face. And they're trying to figure out who goes in first. I think uh, you should go in first because you are the big and brawny one. Uh, well, um, actually, I think it would be best if you go in first because you are the sneakiest one and most likely to not get hurt. Uh, but uh, what you are not accounting for is that I have a wife and kids, and if I died, then they would be left all alone. Um, what you aren't accounting for is that that's a lie. Um, <laughs> I know you're single. And quite frankly, it's very rude of you to lie to me. Uh, but, um, okay, I'm very sorry, actually. Um, I know that was very rude, and I don't want to be rude to you. No, you shouldn't be. Yes, I know, I know, I'm sorry. Should we, um, perhaps, uh, go in together? Uh, yeah, sure, let's go in together. All right, uh, one... Two, three. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. That was amazing. Again, I love voice work. I, from Kentucky, I barely speak English. I can't do any accents <laughs> at all. I'm always impressed and love when people can. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, of all course. Right. So the way the chain will continue, you will now prompt Chris. So Chris, you must sing the song, please. All right. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? All right. So Casey, where has his fingers been? Okay, um, you have a a bride and her maid of honor are trying to deal with cold feet. It's not, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, it is your day. You tell me what you want to do. I'll cover you out the back door. You really want to use the back door? You don't think that's where him and his buddies are drinking? Well, that's a good point. Maybe we should sneak out the side door. No, that's what your mother is at. You know, she's out there trying to catch your dad smoking. <sighs> You're right. Why does he always do that? I don't know. Why am I getting cold feet? Well, maybe because you're wearing glass slippers. 
and you should have had socks. That's a great point. And that's where my fingers have been. <laughs> so fun fact, uh, I've, I'm happily married. About Probably my marriage is as good as anyone could ever hope for, right? <laughs> but my best man, right, like the music is playing. We're standing just outside. We're about to walk in. He looks at me and goes, it's not too late. Oh, jeez. We, we can leave right now. And I, thankfully, I said no. But the, I, th- I think that's what the best man's supposed to do. I don't know. But anyway, just thought I would share. Okay. So it's now my turn. So, Chris, you get to uh, promise me. But first, of course, I will sing the song. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? I had two people watching uh, Survivor for the first time. Ooh. Fake. This is, all, this is all definitely fake. Like, they're all actors, and they're just, like, I'm sure, like, right off camera, they're getting, like, Snickers bars and beef jerky, and, like, all this is just so fake. So, you you want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it. I definitely think that I could do this. I think it will be cool. I hate to tell you, but uh, you're not hot enough to be the hot guy, and you're not old <laughs> enough to be the old guy. Someday, someday, I will be old enough because I'm definitely never going to be hot enough. True that. And that's where my fingers have been. Yay! Hey. <laughs> so I feel um, like you didn't act you. that. You just relived a moment in life. <laughs> that's what we call a callback. That's Chris. exactly. Rule of three. <laughs> if we do it one more time, it'll be funny. Um, so one small change that we have made this year to the show for anyone who has listened before, uh, we are no longer going to be doing cryptozoology. Boo, yes, I know. It's one of my favorite things yeah. that we do. But the goal is we're going to try to bring back Summon Monster, which is a podcast we were doing for a little while, where it's basically was cryptozoology spread out and a little bit more in depth. So hopefully that we're going to bring that show back and it's, then it kind of becomes redundant. So we're basically going to move into the very last section, which is audience Q&A. We do have a few people that have been hanging out with us. Uh, for those of you who've already chatted, thank you so much. We love that you're here. If you're lurking, that's always welcome. But this is an opportunity for you to ask a question that we will answer we do reserve the right not to if you ask something we think is incredibly personal. Uh, but if you want to ask us something about gaming, we'd love to hear it. Um, there is a little bit of a delay. So while we wait for maybe any questions to come in, Casey, one more time, where can people find you? Where can they find the podcast? Are you on socials? Plug, 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 sir. Yeah, you can find my personal stuff at Casey underscore Reardon on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, I do voice acting stuff on TikTok and my Instagram is just kind of a little all over the place. Uh, and then you can find RP Jesters wherever you find podcasts. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, we have our website, www.rpjesters.com. Um, and hopefully we'll be adding some fun merch to that website oh, soon. Nice. Uh, we have a GoFundMe going right now as well that is trying to raise a little bit of money to uh, have our podcast LLC'd so that we can start making some money off of it. So. Yeah. Very cool. Well, best of yeah. luck with that. Now, so I, I think from what I understand, you do multiple like seasons or or campaigns. What yeah. is your current campaign? If people jump in right now, what are they going to be listening to? Where should they start? Yeah. Um, so right now we are playing Vampire the Masquerade V5. The title of that campaign is Midnight Gravity. Um, you could start at episode one for Midnight Gravity. We are currently, I think, have... 17 or 18 episodes out right now of that particular show. Um, If you're looking for Dungeons and Dragons, that's Power in the Dark. That is a completed series that is a total of like 78 episodes long. Um, And then we have like a bunch of other shorter form stuff. We have Delta Green, which is about 10 episodes, um, which that one, I think 
I can't remember the name of the Delta Green campaign. Um, Operation Frozen Dark, that's what it's called. And then we also have our Into the Whalestrom, which that is the um, scum and villainy campaign that we have. Oh, very, very nice. Uh, so once again, anybody listening, if you have questions, now is the time. Uh, Chris, where can people find you? Anything you would like to plug, sir? Uh, find me on Discord. The RPG Academy Discord is usually where I can be found. I'm also on Rook and Rasp now. Oh, nice. So we're doing some stuff over there. Uh, really engaging community, too. They're pretty open and fun. Uh, otherwise, you can find me tomorrow night. Should be doing Dragonlance again, unless life hits us. Um, but so far, everybody's confirmed, so uh, that'll be fun. Um, not really doing Twitter much anymore. I got real bored over there. Uh, put Blue Sky on and have only been on it twice. I just don't do much with social media. So, um, but find me here or on the RPG Academy Discord. All right. And again, one last call for, for questions uh, while we're waiting. Again, I am on Blue Sky, though I don't check it very often. I just started the TikTok thing. It's it's going well. Again, I'm not setting the world on fire in terms of followers, but I never do. As long as I'm having fun, I'll keep doing it. Uh, but really, Facebook is probably the one I'm on most often. So if you want to try to reach me there, uh, our Discord is still my favorite corner of the Internet. If you want to be part of that, all you do is ask me. I will send you an invite. It's just not open because when we first started, we had a bunch of dumb people jump in and spam and stupid stuff. So we shut it down. But it, anyone can join that wants to. But we just have like an invite process. And um Again, Action 12 Cinema, if you're interested in supporting me, that would be the way to do that. You can pick up your copy PDFs, 15 bucks, or you can get a copy and PDF for 30. You can do that directly from my website, or you can go to IPR. I actually make more if you do it from my website, but then I have to figure out how to send you the book, and IPR will do that for me. So <laughs> either one, I'm not going to be upset either way that it goes. Um, and then I do want to plug, uh, we've done just a few of these uh, tabletop draft episodes where we brought in guests, uh, Lee Wanika from Tabletop Journeys and Kevin Stacy from all the stuff he does. I can't remember right now. I'm sorry, Kevin. Uh, but we're going to do another one. We're actually going to stream it live. So next time we would normally have a detention. So that's two weeks from tonight. We're actually going to do a, a draft. Uh, the way we have set it up, whoever wins the draft gets to choose the next draft and gets to be the draft master. So that is Lee Wanika, and he has decided that our next one will be the best vehicles from the 70s, 80s, or 90s live-action television sh action shows. So Ooh. think like Fall Guy, A-Team, Riptide, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, that's going to be a wild and woolly one. I'm really looking forward to that. So you can find that here live two weeks from tonight. All right, Casey, so unfortunately we didn't have any uh, questions come in. That does happen sometimes, but we have one That's question fine. that we always ask everybody, so we will ask you tonight. Imagine you're being turned into an action figure, so you're not really being, like, morphed into a loin, but they're going to make a Casey Reardon action figure. What are the three things that are going to come, like, your accessories in the package? Oh, that is a good question. Um, I would say a microphone... Uh, a bottle of mead and, uh, oh God, number three, I guess let's just go with a, a D20. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Great. Well, Casey, I really hope you had a good time. I had a great time talking with you. Hopefully yeah. people listening got something from as well. One more time, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, you can find me, my personal stuff on Instagram and TikTok at Casey underscore Reardon. 
Uh, and then you can find the podcast, RP Jesters, wherever you find podcasts or on social media is just at RP Jesters. Fantastic. And again, as always, I'll put links into the show notes. So if someone is interested in, in coming and checking your stuff out, I'll make it as easy for them as I can. Great. Uh, but again, thank you for being here. Chris, as always, buddy, thank you for being here. Uh, um, and always. we will just sign off as we always do here at the RPG Academy and remind folks that if you're having fun, you're doing it right. That's it, sir. So thank you so much for everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.